Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Rank squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast back for another week in the middle of a Champions League match week, which means we've had to change things up a little bit today, do something a little bit more evergreen as well. So we're excited to bring that to you. We're going back to an old classic. We're going back to an old friend of this podcast. We're ranking all 20 Premier League captains. We were asked on multiple occasions to revisit this topic. We thought, why not now? Why not now? So very excited to get into that one. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today. And I'm joined by the rank god, Mr. Sam Tai. How are you doing, mate? Hello, mate. Yes, I'm very good. Thank you. Very excited for this week. European football back. You guys did an amazing job last week of previewing all the games. Thank you for Thank stepping you. into my shoes. Dean Jones, you were superb. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, mate. I mean, we've got to see how it plays out first. We don't know until we see how those predictions land. Indeed, and that is our transfer group, Mr. Dean Jones. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, as we record this, by the time people listen to it, Valentine's is over for another year. But um, yeah, you get a thing <laughs> unexpected. <laughs> over for another year. It's yeah. not a birthday or Christmas, I- is it? It's not actually a proper Valentine's. thing. Yeah, it is. I got I got a load of Colin the Caterpillar like mini cakes with hearts on them. So I'm actually feeling incredibly loved today. Oh, did you? That's I got nice. um, a candle that said, "You are effing awesome." That's oh. quite cool. Yeah, I'm into it. it smells nice. You, you a big fan of candles? No, Taylor is. I, oh, love I think it's a gift to herself personally, but we won't. definitely is. Yeah, Uh-oh. we we forgot in this household. We forgot. Um, so yeah, I woke up this morning, saw it on Twitter, and said to my wife, "Happy Valentine's Day," and she said, "Oh yeah." Oh, wow. So, right. Love, love is alive. in the air over quite, here. Are you quite quite the romantic in your <laughs> One year into marriage. That's good. That's good. <laughs> we've had a that's few. How, yeah, we've, that's how yeah. you know. <laughs> so we've had a few things going on here. I'll get into some of it for the gibberish. But what doesn't help is that Rachel's birthday is on the 8th of February. So it very much overshadows Valentine's Day. And I got in trouble once for combining the two. So that's not acceptable when I tried to combine the two. And so now I just ignore one. Basically, you missed her birthday. So you said, oh, I'm doing it on the 14th this year. <laughs> yeah, we all know exactly how that played out. Right. Talking of love, let's start with things we love, shall we? And DJ, do you want to kick us off this week? Oh, mate, I just love watching Barcelona at the moment. I've got to admit, like, my love for La Liga generally was on the wane um, last year. Um, it was It was a tough league to watch literally at times, because I couldn't find a channel that was showing it. Um, <laughs> but honestly, some of the football um, now being played under Xavi, it's so easy on the eye. The goal they scored at the weekend against Villarreal, it was just a work of art. Like it was, it was pure Barca. Like that is what you want to see from a Barca team led by Xavi. It was perfect. And look, Real Madrid might have become world champions at the weekend by winning the Club World Cup, but make no mistake about it, Barcelona are the best team in Spain right now. They're 11 points clear at the top of La Liga. More than that, Barcelona currently 16 games unbeaten, and that's the most that Xavi has ever managed as a manager, uh, whether it be at Barcelona or Al Sadd even. So consider like even an inferior league, he didn't manage to go on a run like this even at a time like that. This is really impressive what he's managed to do. They're about to be tested, aren't they, this week? On on Thursday, we've got the Europa League match against Manchester United. Um, Going to have a Champions League feel to it, to be honest. I mean, given how both these sides are playing right now, um, should be a really good game. I have to say, like, from what we've seen, I still will fancy Barca. Um, partly, you know, United are depleted at the moment. But Frankie Dion will probably prey on that um, against the, the team that that wanted and wants to sign him. Um, but also, Lisandro Martinez missing, and the the way that these quick moves are happening for Barca, just not sure United are going to have the nous to deal with it, even with Varane back there. I'm particularly loving Pedri. Um, he got the goal in that one 0 win over Villarreal, and. He's Barca's highest scoring midfielder this season. And that's exactly what Xavi wanted from him. Like, you're looking for ways that guys like Pedri can become better. And he's like, now let's try and work on your goal output. First season trying to do that, he's doing it. 
Um, no, obviously, yeah. it's been tough for Barca fans since Messi left and they've been on a bit of a ride. But they're back to life. It's looking good. Not sure there's a team I really enjoy watching more in world football right now than Barcelona. Yeah, I mean, he's on an absolute scoring tear, isn't he? And we were wondering kind of what he's going to end up with this season because you're looking at what he's putting out for for this Barcelona side and you're thinking, what is it? We're on seven goals, I think, in all competitions. Can Pedro 15? I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Well, he's going to get double digits. Yeah. He keeps scoring one goal in in one goal wins as well, in one nil Mm. wins. He's got four Four goals in one nil wins. Yeah. So basically he's responsible for 12 points. Like you can, Mm. you can pretty much pin it down to that. Like, yes, Lewandowski has been amazing. Yes. The defense, which we'll come to has been amazing, but Pedri has basically won them 12 points this season. And and how, how far clear are they? 11? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's the, that's the difference. That's the difference. Pedri's winning the league. Indeed. Indeed he is. Well, I'm glad you brought up Barcelona, Dean, because I wanted to talk about them as well. And this is not suddenly turned into Siempre Positivo or another Barcelona podcast, but I thought it would be remiss if we didn't mention the form of Ronald Araujo, who is just a colossus at the back for Barcelona. And in this 1-0 win over Villarreal, Mark andre Testegen, watches as he's got an incredible record this season, and much I think he's catapulted himself back up to the list of best goalkeepers in the world, didn't really have a save to make. Now, part of that was Jose Morales missing a couple of big chances, but everything else went into Araujo. He was just in the way constantly. And I tweeted at the time, and that's what I wanted to bring up. Is it time we start talking about Ronald Araujo in the best centre-backs in the world conversation? Because it felt like he was Barcelona's only defensive leading light when they were having a really tough time of it. Now they have returned to what seems like a good level of form. Obviously, we we have to wait to see how this season plays out before we confirm that. But generally, the way that Barcelona are playing and then the way that they have that 11-point lead with Real Madrid having a game in hand in La Liga, if they go on and win this, a lot of it is going to be to do with this unbelievable defence that Barcelona have and the leader of this defence by a long way is Ronald Araujo, who just seems to be getting better and better each game. Now, he's not perfect. His distribution isn't the best in the world. It's not bad, but it's no, it's nowhere near the best. You know, he's not a Van Dijk. He's not a, a, one of these players who can get the ball and, and play the, the old Benucci crossfield pass 70 yards into the path of a winger. But defensively, he is monstrous. It, it's like genuinely incredible to watch people coming up against him. He just is like a wall. And considering that, a lot of what we would have considered the best defenders in the world are either having bad seasons or coming to the end of their careers. It does feel like there's a space opening up in the world for this kind of title of best in the world, or at least to get yourself into that bracket. And Araujo has very much put his name into that conversation. Yeah, I was just thinking, actually, as you were saying, what well, is he one of the best? I was like, okay, well, what's his competition? And all of the names that we sort of go back to over the last four or five years have all sort of exited the picture. And we'll put an asterisk over Van Dijk because obviously Torres ACL, another injury recently, just hasn't quite been top of his game over the last year, but he's still in that conversation. But all the other names, you know, it used to be Ramos, PK, Bonucci, Chiellini, and they're not really there. In terms of form this season, Alaba isn't in this conversation, although again, we'll put him him just on the side there. Edson Militao Um, probably is. Maybe Militao and Thiago Silva. I think maybe his biggest com- competition for best centre-back in the world, taking into account how they're playing right now, as well as your general level and reputation. And yeah, I think Araujo is right in there, right in that top five. Incredible stuff. So what we're saying is the best three centre-backs in the world are Ronald Araujo, Thiago Silva and Tim Ream. That's that's what we've got to, right? That's where we're at right now. Okay, on that, we should probably move onwards. Sam, what have you got for me? Yeah, I'll go to France and I'd like to talk about the resurgent Nantes team in Liga because this is pretty heartwarming. They were one of my favourite stories last season. We talked about them on the pod a little bit because they punched well above their weight. They battled away for sixth or seventh place in Liga for ages and they did just fall short in the end. They ended up in ninth, but they won the cup and they qualified for Europe as a result. Amazing achievement for this club. Genuinely amazing. Mm-hmm. Then they went into the summer. They lost Randall Kolomouani to Eintracht Frankfurt for free. 
like look at him now. They spent all summer fending off bids for Ludovic Blas, who nearly joined Lille. Marseille tried to buy, and I think he's going to leave this summer anyway. But they managed to hold on to him, and really, like the only player of note they signed was Musa Sissoko from Watford. It's like, well, how? How's that for gearing up for a European campaign? You lose your best player, you nearly lose your second best player, and you only sign Musa Sissoko, who got relegated from the Premier League. So then you add in the fact that they come in on, under a cloud, then they've got the six European games, the schedule's tough before the World Cup, and guys, they really spiralled. September, October, November, relegation places. But they resemble Union Berlin here in a way, where the winter break has just done them a world of good. They get to reset and recharge and they've come out of the world cup break and i'm delighted to tell you that they have won four and drawn two of seven league games they conceded twice to marseille in the loss but all of the other games have been clean sheets six clean sheets out of seven and they've won two cup games domestically in that span as well so they're back they're absolutely back and they've got juventus in the europa league on thursday Mm -hmm. so this game for juve when it was drawn when we always make this you know we always draw this line and say well you know things can change Juve would have been looking at this draw in, in December and gone, licking their lips. <laughs> All right, then. All right, then. And now they should be genuinely really quite scared because this is proper upset alert territory. Proper upset alert. Not a horrible to play against. They have a, a real bend but don't break philosophy. A lot of last ditch defensive actions. A lot of absorbing pressure. Not huge amounts of goal threat, but enough to get them through. And they're just like really sticky. They're just a horrible team to play against. And Juve, I think, are going to find this really difficult, particularly over two legs. And they might, might come unstuck. Mm, yeah, Maybe. it's a very interesting one. There's a lot of very interesting ties in the Europa League and the Europa Conference League, as you might know. Uh, they will be highlighted, or the best of them will be highlighted on our YouTube channel on Thursday Whee! morning when UE Ultras returns with a vengeance. So I'm excited to share that with you guys as well. Uh, with that, I think it's probably time for us to move into our main segment. That is all for things we love on our Valentine's Day record. We'll see you after the break. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where it's time for our main segment. We are ranking every Premier League captain. Now, we did this before. I tell you, boys, it doesn't feel like this long ago, but it was on the 28th of October 2020, nearly two and a half years ago. It was the third ever episode of Ranks FC, just after that shift from the Football Ranks. It wow. was, you know, a long time ago. So I'm excited to get back to this. I'm excited to have a look at it and see where we've got to, who's still around, who's changed. Uh, so Sam, I'm just going to hand the floor to you and get in it. We're still here. Still here. I'm still wearing this armband. I was going to say, most importantly, who's the, who's the captain? Have we have we deposed Jack Collins yet? I'm sure we've, we've made him walk the plank at this point. We tried to mm, fire him the other week. Yeah. Uh, we keep from the trying board. to. Yeah, but unfortunately yeah. nothing works and I'm not here. So you've had to bring me back on a short-term freelance contract. Um, I'm taking <laughs> the armband straight back. Thanks very much. Well, your captaincy very much resembles number 20 in our list, Luka Milivojevic <laughs> of Crystal Palace, who <laughs> is, it's a, it's a surprise really that he is still at the club. They've definitely tried to move past him. He was once very important, but no longer. He has two starts this season and they bought two new central midfielders or loaned to uh, loaned and bought two central midfielders in January. So Milovic soon to be gone, we assume. 19th, Pontus Janssen. Six starts for Brentford this season. Uh, four centre-backs have all played more. So not exactly a key player for them, but holds the armband. 18th, he, is, he has been injured. I will give Pontus yeah. Janssen some, some credence in that he, he hasn't been fit for most of the campaign. But you're right in that there are better players at Brentford. There are, there are, particularly with the arrival of Ben Mee as well. And, and Ethan Pinnock just continues to go and go and go. Um, number 18, Jamal Lachelle's 108 Premier League minutes this season. I was surprised to learn that he's still the captain. Mm. Uh, you know, they've got this well-oiled machine going on. They've got 14 or 15 very good players. He's not in that collection of players. They've obviously got new leaders on this pitch in this in form of like Kieran Trippier. I presume he's vice captain, but Jamal Lachelle still holds the armband, but he's in 18th. Actually, genuinely struggle to remember how good he is because it's been a while. Um, mm. Number 17, it's a little run of centre backs here, Joe Worrell of Nottingham Forest. He's one of three men on this list captaining their local club. So, bonus points for that. He's a handy centre back, 
he's doing okay on his step up to Premier League level. That's probably as far as I'd go. And then let's round off the bottom five here. Number 16, Seamus Coleman of Everton. Hell of a servant to Everton. 34 now, edging towards that twilight part of his career. And I think ultimately they're back up right back for when Nathan Patterson is fit. So I struggled to put Coleman in here because I couldn't figure it out. I wanted to pay him the respect he deserved, but his current level is probably here about 16th. Yeah, wonderful footballer uh, and, and an, an incredible Premier League right back. I think when you look back at the career he's had in the Premier League, especially when you remember that he was signed for 50 grand, uh, as yeah. the song goes, from I believe Sligo <laughs> Rovers. Sligo um, Rovers, So yeah. to come in and, and make the kind of impact that he's had and be at the top level for fullbacks for so long, I agree. But I, I do think that Seamus is coming to the twilight, as you say, of his career. Would have been interesting to see if Everton had stuck with a back three, if he would have been able to do the kind of Cesaro's Pilaqueta, I'm sure we'll talk about him, job on the right-hand side of a back three. But that hasn't really materialised and it doesn't look like he's, well, I think, yeah. I think you're right in that he, he's, coming, he's coming to the end. I don't want to say anything negative about Seamus. I love the man pieces. <laughs> he was once very nice to me. Sam once watched me melt when he said hello <laughs> to me when we were at, uh, at Millwall away in the FA Cup with, with Everton and Seamus Coleman Captain nodded to and Captain said, Howie, talking, you? And I just, yeah, yeah. And I just sort of melted. Um, he said, how you, didn't he? Nice. How are you? And nodded, oh, yeah. and nodded, nodded, nodded at you and you just died. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was so cute. Really nice day. So <laughs> love, love Seamus to pieces. But I think, as you say, he's coming, he's coming to the end. Can't really argue with much of that. I would have probably had Janssen ahead of Lascelles. I think when he's fit, he probably has more of a role to play for Brentford than Lascelles has for Newcastle mm. now. But um, I mean, I, I'm not going to argue with the 17th, 18th. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's much of a muchness down there at certain points, isn't it? You know, Lascelles and Janssen and, and Worrell, I'm like trying to figure out. And they're all like fringe Premier League level centre-backs. It's Sometimes it's about personal preference on that one. Um, but I'll move into to number 15 in the next tranche. 15, we've got another centre-back who is Liam Cooper of Leeds. He's pretty good. That's what I've written down for him. He's pretty good. Um, good player. <laughs> and then number 14, Johnny Evans, another centre-back. I'm swimming in them, guys. And this is why it's really hard to figure out. Like, I've got five here. Evans, Cooper, Worrell, Lachelles, Janssen. They're all, they're all relatively similar. These are mainly players I level. forgot were in the Premier League, mate. This isn't really like, this isn't, doesn't sound like a captain's ranking to me so far. I'm, I'm like actually quite well, shocked at what what the list of names we're going through. It's quite interesting, isn't it? It's one of those yeah. things where you're looking at it and going, who's actually the captain and who's the captain week in, week out, right? And and this is the area where you're looking at these and going, none of these people wear the armband on a regular basis because they're not on the pitch. And and that's the actual, you know, the crux of it down the bottom of this list. Just so many club men. captains are kind of aging servants who have done an absolutely stalwart job for the club, fair play, you know, deserve all the flowers and respect but no longer have the capacity to actually impact games at Premier League level on the pitch. That, that's where we're at. Yeah, I think Evans is the, is the epitome of this one because he's finally sort of slowed down a bit now. Um, a bit like Seamus Coleman, like he's just gone on forever. He's probably been criminally underrated at certain points in his career, Johnny Evans. He's had a hell of a career, but 35 now, had some injuries and he has dropped off a bit. You're right about that assessment of those players, although Joe Worrell does feel like an exception there because he's he's a, he's a relatively consistent starter for Forrest and he's mid-20s rather than you know 30 to 35. Um, but I've put Evans in at 14th. And at 13, I've gone for TC, Tom mm. Kearney. Why? Doesn't play yeah, very much either. Five? Doesn't play much. He's one of the important <laughs> players. He comes on every week. He comes yeah, he on every of, week. He, he does. He has, a, he has a role where he comes on at a certain appearance. time and helps us see out the game. This is this I is know. bad. This is a bad call. <laughs> we were talking about this on Monday, right? We were talking about the concept of starters and finishers, and. Marco Silva, Tom Kearney is one of Marco Silva's finishers. He comes on yeah. to control games, to, to slow the pace down a little bit, to provide incision when Fulham are chasing a goal and to completely and utterly just keep the ball when Fulham are ahead. And I, still, I think that Tom Kearney is playing, playing as, like the best football 
that he's played in ages, to be perfectly honest with you, from, from a Fulham perspective. But yeah. I can see, considering the minutes played and the and the perception within that, why he would be here. I, I'll be interested to see who the next couple are, and then I can have an argument with you instead yeah. of doing I mean, it before I know who's ahead of him. I mean, like I was going to put Kearney lower, but then Jackie sent what? me that video of him scoring that goal against Sunderland, um, which was just... Awesome. So and FA Cup goals against Sunderland has swayed your decision on how good a captain he is. No, this. I mean, this is just this is just him as a player, and he's okay. just he's he's nowhere near as influential on this Fulham team as he was a couple of years ago. He's much more influential than he was a year ago, but he doesn't start for you because he doesn't quite fit the manager's style, right? Like, I just, I assume it's the fact that no, his no, he doesn't fit the style. I think he's just got better players now ahead of him. Well, that's why he's thirteenth, mate. Yeah. Anyway, as Jack says, let, you, you've you've hit we've hit a hot spot here. You'd got away scot free up to number thirteen, and obviously we've well, got to jump is, on that. I mean, this is where I get nervous. So at number twelve, I've put Aspiliqueta, who I still think is probably probably a better footballer than Tom Kearney. Although it is very difficult to judge these things position across positions. Someone else who was dropped off a few levels, but very smart and has been very good. And I'll finish off the the next set with number 11, which may be the most surprising name on the list, mostly because I bet most people don't know that he is Bournemouth's captain. Neto. Neto got Sorry. made captain the other week. The cap, the goalkeeper. Did they take it off Kelly? They took it off Lloyd Kelly yeah. and gave it to Neto. Does Lloyd Kelly not start most weeks? Seems a bit rude been, to take the captaincy been, off him. He's been injured, so yeah, Still. I don't know. They've, yeah, I know. Mm. Now they've, they've given it to Neto. So Bournemouth's 33-year-old Brazilian goalkeeper, as if that's not weird enough as a sentence, um, is now captain of the football club after six months in the in the in the in the area. Interesting. Blimey. And Neto's perfectly fine, serviceable goalkeeper. Yeah, Neto, Mid- Neto's Mid- grand. Yeah. yeah, absolutely no problem with that. It's just just weird to think about, <laughs> like as a, as a concept, right? Like, sorry, come again? What? Yeah. Um, I know. It's happened like last week. I'm, I'm lucky I caught it actually. I just Googled the whole, Googled everyone's name to check. What? Neto? Yeah, that's strange. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, the, the, the manager, uh, he calls him Nets, which I thought was quite good. Nets. Yeah, Nets, Nets is like, Neto takes two years to say. Yeah, Nets, yeah, Nets is a good you know, influence. You know, he's on a 12 month contract, as in he literally his contract expires at the end of the season. They've just given him the armband. <laughs> that seems like bad squad planning. I'll be honest. It's a manager trying to save like... his job, I think. He's somehow he's trying to save his job, and clearly this is some, one of his, got to be one of his reasons as to how he's trying to do it. Well, I mean, look, if we can take anything away from, from these first 10 names, is that it is not a prerequisite to actually play football and have a massive influence on the pitch. To, to hold the armband. And so Neto getting it as a starter is still a better situation than most of the lads at the bottom, you know, Milevievich and Lascelles and, and and Johnny Evans and stuff like that, who who really aren't in the first choice 11s. Mm. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it goes onwards from here. Uh, there's not all that much to argue with, I think, in in that, if, if I'm honest. It's uh, maybe Worrell should be higher, I think, maybe just about a couple of places. I think the cells should be below Janssen, but it's only a one-place swap. And I wanted to argue with you about TC, but I don't really have the capacity to, I don't think. I think We I'm still can. Quite, we think he should be in the top 10, so we haven't heard the top 10 yet. <laughs> you said yeah, top well, five earlier. Top five. Well, he's going downwards <laughs> very, 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 very quickly. Um, but we still see. We still see. Um, right now, the two you put above him, I'm not going to have an argument with, but I'm, I'm going to be intrigued to see where you go from here. Yeah, well, we're still... <laughs> It's really strange. We don't we don't really get to like, yeah, this is a great, this is a really solid, like very good player until like the top five. It's astonishing, really, how mixed the ability levels are in in the armband game. But um, kicking off the top ten at ten is John McGinn at Villa, who actually has had a really tough time of things since he got the armband. Gerard mm. gave it to him, and his form immediately plummeted. But there were a few signs of life under Emery, but he got injured again. But the, the New Year's Day performance against Tottenham was very good. And I think we can all yeah. agree that McGinn remains a very good player. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think Villa need McGinn in that team, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was actually really surprised not to see him play against Man City at the weekend. Yeah, exactly the kind of player who can bunk, who can really bunker down and deal with that kind of game. So he has his, he has his strength for sure. Number nine, I'm grinning because... 
It's an it's a contentious one for you guys. I see Jack. Jack is primed for action. At number nine, I'm putting Jordan Henderson of Liverpool. Um, I you guys know I'm not his biggest fan, and um, he, I think he's dropped a level or two again. Um, he's the best captain on this list, mm-hmm. but I think he's in the ninth. Yeah, best I, I think we never maybe made this completely clear, right? Like it's not necessarily about their ability to lead. We're not we're not ranking them on their leadership qualities vis a vis football manager. It's mm. more kind of how good are the 20 captains in the Premier League? That, that, that much should be made very clear, I think, because well, I mean, I, there are certain names on that list to, down low. Well, you yeah, can, I, to our point. No, I, but but you, I, it's I, not a... I feel like for me to be, if I was to sit there and go, like, who's the best captain? I would need to be captained by all 20 of these people and then relay my personal experience. I've never met most of these guys. So I can't really tell you the dynamics of it. No one can. Seamus Coleman, number one, met him. yeah i've met him but that's it (laughs) um so i can't i'm not not, none of us are in a position to truly judge that we have to rely on what people say and uh, and uh, anecdotes but i can tell you i think the best footballers are and i think i think i think henderson is marginally better than mcginn who is marginally better than neto which is a hard comparison to make given one's a goalkeeper but that's you're doing a decent job kind of way you You are doing quite a good job Yeah. yeah But Henderson uh, I think at nine. This is probably fair. Uh, well, it, again, it depends who's above him, but I think above McGinn is probably fair. I think McGinn probably has is starting to gain more impact. Obviously, when he hasn't, when he's played this season, I think you know since since the break he's been good. But Jordan Henderson remains, and I thought last night's performance against Everton was pretty solid. Um, I think good. if you put the right people around Jordan Henderson, he still has the capacity to thrive. I just don't think he's capable of doing what he once was capable of doing on a football pitch in terms of getting forward. But you look back at the World Cup and he was clearly a key a key element yeah. of that side yeah. and, and worked really well. And I, so that's it. If you put the right people around Jordan Henderson, it he still has the capacity to influence football games in a, in a really big way. It's just been tricky getting any sort of midfield out of Liverpool this season. And so therefore I think his stock has plummeted maybe partly as a result of that. So here's where it gets interesting because at number eight, I have put another English central midfielder, which allows itself for an extremely direct comparison. Number eight is James Ward-Prowse of Southampton. So basically what I'm saying is I think JWP is better than Henderson, which is probably a contentious point. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's, but I would, I would argue that JWP's influence on matters on the pitch for Southampton probably trumps Henderson's influence on matters on the pitch for Liverpool right now. But maybe that's not the argument. I'd say Mm. that, yeah, Henderson is definitely, his levels are definitely not where they were. Whereas Ward Prowse isn't quite there, but also the team have been an absolute shambles and he's had a lot of pressure on himself to try and lift the gloom. There's been a lot of expectation on him to step up. I think he's taken quite a bit of stick actually compared to any other season I've known at Southampton. Um, yeah. He's delivered a couple, he's got a good goal at Fulham. Obviously I was at, but I've seen him score a couple of other important ones too. And now he's got a new manager. So like maybe he actually gets a new life out of here. Like today, as we're recording this, Jesse Marsh getting the Southampton job, might be what Ward Prowse needs. So I think Jesse, uh, yeah, I think James Ward Prowse is still worthy of of being high enough on this list. Yeah, I think he's still got it in him. Do you I have think I would have flipped them, Sam, but I I don't yeah. mind it if you know what I mean. So I think I think they're both very good all round players, and they're both really good leaders, and they're both very good at the nuts and bolts elements of midfield. Um, but Ward Prowse has that very special extra talent of free yes. kicks. Um, so I don't think anyone would dispute a top 10 spot for him, but the order of Ward, Prowse, Henderson and McGinn, I think would differ based on your allegiance uh, and your general yeah. experience. The problem you've got here who- is on social media, there are a hundred thousand times as many Liverpool fans in the world as there are Southampton fans and you're going to be hearing <laughs> from them rather than the Saints fans. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe I'll have to I'll have to spark an army um, yeah. but we'll move up to number seven and this is where I put Lewis Dunk of Brighton who is just one of those players who just goes on and on and on um, still at Brighton still doing great uh, ever present this season 21 starts super solid Brighton are having a, another really good season and Lewis Dunk is is the captain and he is at the heart of it all again and um this is one of those weird things where like you sit down and you create this list and sometimes you're surprised by what you churn out. And Lewis Dunk, me racing Lewis Dunk as a better overall footballer than Ward Prowse, Henderson and McGinn is not something you 
you necessarily think is going to happen. But then you look back at it and you go, yeah, no, I think I think that's about right. His level is higher, I think, generally across mm. the course of, of this season. And obviously you can look back historically and you have to do so to an extent. I think that's evident at the bottom half of this table that you've put together of, of anything. But there does feel like a point where you go, Lewis Dunk has been part of a very good Brighton defence. He's been part of a very good side who are currently higher than both Aston Villa, Liverpool and Southampton in the table. Dunk's effect on that team is massive. And I think he's just been very solid. You know, earlier we mentioned Johnny Evans. This is where mm. Johnny Evans was three seasons ago, isn't it? Like this is probably yeah. This is this is it. This is, he is uh, a reliable, rock solid servant who basically rarely puts a foot wrong, and ultimately has meant that he, he's been raised up this table into a, a place where he's in a Conference League spot. So it's what Brighton <laughs> will be hoping for this season. It's what Dunk will be hoping for from his from his captaincy. I, I think this is fair, mate. I'll be honest. I think it's mm. fair. I really want to argue with you, but so far I'm finding it very difficult. Uh, well, there you go. There you go. Well, let's argue about this one. Number six, the most polarizing player on planet Earth, Harry Maguire of Manchester United. Wow. Wow. Above Lewis Dunk. Above Lewis Dunk. How do we feel? This is I a really hard is... one, isn't it? Because mm. he hasn't actually done that much wrong in recent times. And even when he was playing badly, phew, the mental stress that he was under feels hard to judge him by when things got so bad. And when you see him at the World Cup doing well, you you remember like what he's capable of. Um, he's he's getting in the United team occasionally still. He might be playing against Barcelona this week. Maybe we should judge it after. That. <laughs> Maybe we should judge it after he's played Barcelona. Um, I don't know. Honestly, like knowing obviously his name was going to be in this list. I was expecting you to stick him in like 15 initially. And I was kind of pleased that I hadn't heard his name in the top 10. I didn't think you would put him this high. I didn't think you would. And I, it, I don't mm. think you can put him this high, Sam. I, 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 I can't sit here and you go, if Jordan Henderson is having a bad Liverpool season, fans are going to go mental about up, this. Yeah, yeah and, and I think they're probably right to. Like it, you, can't, you can't sit here and be like, Maguire's had a really bad season. He's had a really bad couple of seasons, but he had a good World Cup and then put Jordan Henderson three spots behind him. Like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. Yeah, so, I mean, this simultaneously feels too high and too low for Maguire uh, for me. And I, I really struggled with it. And you do have to remind yourself of what he's capable at his best, which we saw at the World Cup. Genuinely very, very good and like better than better than Jordan Henderson showed. So if, he, if, we, if we can agree that like... Maguire and Henderson are having down seasons, but they both had good World Cups. Who had a better World Cup? Harry Maguire. <laughs> so that's kind of one way of rationalizing. But Henderson's it in having your a mind. better. But Henderson's having a better Premier League season than Maguire, even if he's not playing well because he's playing to begin with. And then, it's marginal, um, though. It's still marginal. Never. Ne I mean, look. In, in some stakes, negative marginal. negative exposure is worse than no exposure at all. In some stakes, because we're just we're just trying to work on what we see um oh, but i find mate, it i find it really sure. hard to to find to put my finger on where he should be but i think criticism of him is generally overblown um i yeah, think he I has really good this. moments and he has really good performances i think his top level is higher than dunk and it's higher than henderson i i, I look, you know that i actually really like harry Maguire, and i think the criticism is overblown but i just don't think on what we've literally witnessed over the past mm. two years, it it makes any sense to put him here ahead of some of the names you put in. Yes, in terms of what he's potentially got in the tank, you can put in there, fine. But you're working on potentials, not on actually what they're displaying on a week-to-week -week basis. And I think that's probably unfair. But it's difficult when he doesn't play every week. So what I've got to lean on is what he did at the World Cup, which was really well, hang good. On, you put Jamal Lascelles in 19th because you haven't seen him play for ages. So but hang he, on, if you're like, oh, we're picking what, what some player had, that, that's, not, that's not right. The fact that he can't get in this team. You know that Jamal Lascelles is basically like a fringe level Premier League player. Whereas Harry Maguire is, is well beyond that. Harry Maguire is a Europa League level defender. That's that's what I've always said, um, and you know he's <laughs> capable of playing for his side. No, I think I think that that's hard. I think that you're wrong about Maguire being that level. I I just think that like 
look, we'll, we'll find out whether United move him on or not. But um, the way to judge this, how many people just turned off the podcast, we won't know. But I reckon, <laughs> I reckon a lot of people aren't listening anymore. Right. Okay. Here's one for you. Do you think Lewis? Do you think Brighton would sell Lewis Dunk to sign Harry Maguire, or do you think they'd sign him and play him instead? Oh, of Lewis no, Dunk? I think there's a better way to, to to scope out who would Tottenham sign Lewis Dunk or Harry Maguire. They'd sign Harry Maguire. I don't think they would. Uh, I, think they I don't think the Brighton question is fair because remember when I, I think said more Joe teams Rawls would sign Harry three men captaining their local teams. Well, Lewis, Lewis Dunk, Dunk is one, is of, another, one yeah, of the three. Ward Prowse is the other. So I, do. I think more teams would sign Maguire, but I think that is somewhat reputation-based and somewhat un- not necessarily fair. The fact that I have them six and seven would suggest that I don't necessarily see that much difference between them. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, listen, well, when I woke up this morning, I did think. not think we would be debating Harry Maguire versus Lewis Dunk, but here we are. It's good, good are. times. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's always fun and games on the pod. Um, this is right, let's leave that slide. Get the VAR stuff. Let, well, this is it. If you're listening to this before the Champions League on Wednesday, you're like, why am I not just listening to the Champions League preview? That's last week's episode. You can go back <laughs> yeah, and listen now. Yeah. Um, right, Sam, let's move on from Maguire and the, and the ag surrounding it. Let's go on. Okay. Top five. And speaking of Spurs, this is where Hugo Lloris comes in. Um, oh. What's the matter now? Stop. Well, Hugo Lloris has been dreadful. Spurs fans want him out. <laughs> yeah, he's but a good he's goalkeeper. Still, he's not yeah. elite, but he's a good goalkeeper. He's the um, best player we've talked about so far. Yeah. He is. He is. Yeah. He is. World Cup finalist Hugo Lloris, who was excellent yeah. against England, annoyingly. Um, yeah. I uh, don't know what, what his future holds for him in terms of Spurs moving for the next so six to 18 months, but uh, I think he's I think he's a top five player here. I'll move into four swiftly before Jack explodes, and mm. it's going to be Ruben Neves, who is Wolves captain for this season. Uh, probably a fitting one because he's probably in his last campaign with Wolves and as a bit of an adopted son of the area. It's really quite cool for his final chapter mm. with Wolves to be as a captain. I think he's Liverpool really playing up to that. <laughs> <laughs> he's really playing up to the captain's role. I think he is a proper leader. He's also an absolutely tremendous footballer. Okay. And I'll take a pause at three to reserve the top two. Declan Rice, captain of West Ham, another tremendous footballer, Ooh. another future one hundred million pound midfielder probably and that kind of says it all. We're talking about vastly different levels, aren't we, from four downwards. Yeah, I yeah. I was gonna I was gonna kick off about Nevs being too low, but you put right said I I would probably switch them, but that's just me. Well, you're no, Irish you. and want to be. Yeah, I love Nevs. So I think that, that I think absolutely Nevs, makes sense. I think Nevs is absolutely sensational. Like I, I really do. I think he's the complete midfielder in so many ways these days. His, and his kind of development from a very, very talented player who came in at Wolves, you know, left at Porto side where he had been the youngest captain ever, came into a Wolves side in the championship and was the figurehead of that revolution. I think given the fact that Wolves have been a bit up and down, Neves' development into a really, really complete midfielder. I mean, he was good to begin with. He's now excellent. I think sometimes goes under the radar. Um, so I was going to kick off, but I, I, I think you're probably okay. And I know who I've worked out who's above him. And I think that maybe four is just about fair in that regard. I might have him three, but I think four I, is probably. Yeah, I thought he was older than he is. I've got to say. I was just like, well, how much, 17. what's the age gap here between Rice and Nevers? It's one year. Yeah. Nevers is 25 and Declan Rice is 24. I, I would not honestly have thought that, like given just like what we've seen in their their careers so far, I would have thought there was a, probably three years between yeah. them. So ooh, that actually does throw up a bit of a conundrum because Wolves' season obviously was disastrous first half. Second half, it's been really good so far and he's been really good so far. Declan Rice, obviously in a similar situation at West Ham, like terrible first half of the season. Even some of the West Ham fans were turning on him a little bit, but the last few weeks, like... Yeah, he's been just, exceptional. He's been exceptional. Like I pointed out that Newcastle game recently. I just thought he was outstanding in that game. So you're right. It's, it's this is a tiny, tiny margin. I think like these two are on a par, probably. 
uh, Neca. They'd actually, but they make a good combination in midfield. Maybe someone should just sign yeah. the pair of them in the summer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Quite the duo. Quite the mm, duo. Would be, yeah. yeah, I think that would be that would be very interesting. Uh, yeah, fair. I think I think that's probably about fair. I think there there's a gap from as you say, Sam, from four down. There's some there's some quite clear tier gaps, isn't there? In this, maybe it's something we can look at at some point. But there mm. are there are very much like the lads who are like, what are you still doing at the club? Then above them, there's like mostly here for morale at this point. Then there's like still making an impact, still leading from the front, genuinely well good. They're the five mm. tiers, aren't they? Um, yeah, so let's get into much, the top yeah. two. You're the top of genuinely well good. Yeah, I mean this again. This is very difficult to split. You know, two and one. Um, and it was almost a coin flip last night when I was deciding this. And I'm reading my my notes again, and I'm still not sure. But at two, I'm going to put Martin Odegaard. Oh, no, he hasn't done it. He hasn't done it. I, I think he's, he's a pro. One. He's he's a real contender for number one. But and and he and I started this process. I assumed that he would be number one. The lowest he could possibly be, can we agree, is second. This is like the absolute yes. floor for yeah, for Martin Odegaard. He is unbelievable footballer. Unbelievable season. A genuine surprise choice to me as captain, actually, of Arsenal Football Club. Um, but I think he's he's carrying out the role really well. He's turned out to yeah, be a good is. pick, and his and his importance to this team is you know knows no bounds. So that means at number one and just pipping him, and I'm sort of paying my respects to a very very good footballer over a long period of time is Ilkay Gundogan of Man City. I think Odegaard is having a better season than Gundogan. I don't think you'll find many people disagreeing with that. I don't think there are many people having a better season than Martin Odegaard, to be perfectly yeah. honest with you. <laughs> but I, I think I'd, I'd say the Gundogan is probably the better overall player, generally speaking. And I think he probably deserves a nudge of respect. And I think he might just fall into that category where if you're very, very good for a very long time, you get passed over just a tiny bit sometimes when your eyes are attracted to the bright new flowers. And by that, I mean someone like Odegaard's emergence over the last 12 months. There's not a lot in this, but I'll take Gundo at one and uh, Odegaard at two. I'm sure there'll be a lot of Arsenal fans screaming oh. at their headphones uh, right now, but yeah. I don't mind it as much as I mind some of your other ones. I I think I, I would have... Uh. I I don't know. I, I might have shaded Erdegaard one just in the form he's in, but I think you're absolutely yeah. right in that Gundogan deserves all the respect for the um, the consistency of performance as well. Like, can you recall in Ilkay Gundogan having bad games for Manchester City? He, he just he's just always a minimum seven out of ten every week. He just mm. delivers time and time and time again. And in a season where City have been chopping and changing and things have you know mucked about and Pep's been doing full pep at times. Gundogan has seemed to be like a relatively sensible head of calm in the middle of it. And I do think the City just looked much better with him on the pitch. You know, those late runs into the box, he obviously scored that goal against Villa at the weekend. He scored the goals that took City to the title at the end of last year. It's, it's, it's kind of understated, I think, the amount he plays a, a role in this City team and the amount that Pep trusts and loves him. And that's that's got to be worth something, right? Do you know, I think it's Odegaard at one. I think, I think I'd have gone Odegaard. There's so many ways you can try and weigh this up, and it is extremely difficult. I, I, I wouldn't have wanted to put this list together at all. So, um, fair play for even attempting it. There's just so many factors that you have to try and account for here. Like these two guys are completely different ends of their career too. Like Gundogan might be his last season at Man City, like 32. Um, they're looking to, you know, obviously move into a, another new era at Man City uh, to keep progressing. And Arsenal have just done that by putting all their faith in Odegaard as the face of the new era. But what they've done and what Odegaard's done so impressively is actually managed to live up to the expectations that were laid on him from the age of about 14 and he consistently was unable to reach because he just kept being sent out on a loan. I just quickly like looked at what the loans were. It was like from Real Madrid. It was like Heronveen, Vitesse, Real Sociedad, then Arsenal. 
and it just looked like the guy wasn't going to get the break. Like he should probably be he was in the Real Madrid team. In that Real Sociedad. He was unbelievable in that Real Sociedad loan. He was absolutely so like the, outrageous the term, the, for the them. The will and the belief in himself to keep going through those times when still people are starting to doubt him too. Like that's the toughest thing. We've seen a lot of players once they get to 20 and they've been hyped up for the last five, six years, struggle to live up to that, struggle to live up to that billing. Um, I can't even imagine like what that's like mentally to have everyone expect you to be the best player on the pitch every time you walk out there, especially if you're struggling to do it. And he's got to mm. Arsenal and he's done it so well. They've made him captain and now they're top of the league. Like I say, it's not the league. They might not be by some time. By the time some people listen to this, but they're 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 in a title race at the very least with him as the captain, and he is the best player in the league over the course of this season so far. He's been the standout player. Like Haaland, obviously for different reasons, but Odegaard as a footballer, the consistent performance levels. I think he's probably won. You know, it's mm. a very compelling yeah. argument, Dean. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a good argument, and uh, and I appreciate it. I think it's this is a very very tough call. Those there, there's a hair's breadth between them at, at the very best, right? This is this is where we're at, and and that's credit to Erdegaard, to be honest. The fact that he's in the same conversation as someone like Ilkay Gundogan, who's been so wonderful for so many years, is testament to what he's put on the pitch this season and and what he's delivered for yeah. Arsenal. It kind of reflects the title race, though, doesn't it? Because we keep saying credit to Arsenal for even being in this discussion. Credit to Odegaard for even being in this discussion. Yet we're all <laughs> going to give just the edge to Man City anyway. I just presume Man City <laughs> win the league. I just presume Gundogan is a bit of a better player. Like It's just that thing because of what we've watched in years gone by and like Man City have just always been a step above of everybody else. So we're struggling in our mindset to accept that anything so that might have changed yeah yeah that that, that mm. could change right now like so suddenly and so unexpectedly maybe that is it we're only human after all we have our biases and we have our things to overcome maybe the fact that arsenal didn't win at the weekend and gundogan was so good like you never know maybe that like yeah. that literally that because we're talking about a hair's breadth maybe that influenced me i don't know i watched gundogan like run the show on sunday uh maybe yeah, that's yeah. maybe that's the difference maybe if you ask me next week I've got it too, and I've got it the other way around. But maybe uh, on Thursday. Either way, it's it's very tough. <laughs> well, it's very tight. I mean, the good battle between Rice and Ruben Neves for third. Great battle between yeah. Gundogan and Odegaard for first, and a hell of a battle. A hell of a battle between Pontus Janssen and Luka Milivojevic for twentieth. I'll never forget the Lewis Dunk Maguire. Oh, that'll live with me forever. That'll be with you for a long, long time to come. Yeah, my deathbed, I'll be thinking, nah, Maguire, Dunk, that was the moment. That was the moment. <laughs> that, was <where> was, <laughs> of our, yeah. that was when That's where it all peaked. went Pete Tong. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, right, on that, we should probably move on to our third and final segment. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to part three of the Ranks FC podcast, where it's time for our stalwart finishes to return. And Dean Jones, first and foremost, the floor is yours. It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is Malik Tillman of Glasgow Rangers. If you haven't seen this, you need to go and watch it as soon as I've finished describing it. Um, so chaos in Scotland, uh, a cup game at the weekend, and it all started in the 70th minute uh, with the, right, the ball was knocked out of play so that Tillman could actually get some treatment on a, on a knock he'd received. So they're playing against Partick Thistle. Um, and what ensued was nothing other than chaos, to be honest. Partick looked to resume play with the throw in and they were going to, looked like they were going to stick the ball downfield so that Rangers could have possession of the ball back deep in their own half and they could start again from there. Tillman didn't really get it. What he decided to do was nick the ball off the defender, run through on goal and stick it in the net. Partick went. <laughs> it's a great finish to be fair. He goes around, he goes around the keeper really well. He does. Uh, not okay. Not okay. Uh, yeah, he was basically like thrown around by a few different players. <laughs> Partick like totally lost it. Um, yeah, they they kind of gave him the treatment that 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 Chelsea fan got um, at West Ham, uh, <laughs> and, and the video that went not quite as bad, but wasn't wasn't far off because Partick was so mad about what had happened. They were like, "You can't do this. This is totally." unsporting of you. Um, not sure he totally understood what had gone wrong, to be honest. I don't think he really had an awareness. And the referee 
totally powerless in this situation. Like he can't do anything about it. It's a legitimate goal. It's just he's kind of broken a code of contact conduct. Luckily, uh, Michael Beale decides to do the right thing. Like every all chaos is going around, and he's like, "Lads, just let them score." Just let them score. Let them have the ball. So Partick, like, they're still, you know, the there's crowd smoke coming out there. Ballistic, by the way. Yeah, the crowd I mean, there's absolutely livid that Rangers. It could have, allowed have been an actual riot. They, they could have been a riot. This is a great game, by the way. Like, it was a really good match. Uh, Rangers nicked it right at the death. But look, Partick, they they did equalise just about. They 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 ran the ball from the halfway line. Alan McGregor, the Rangers goalkeeper, pretended right at the last second he wasn't going to let it happen. He, he jumped in the way and he he made the uh, the Partick lad a bit nervous. And there was a nervous laugh uh, as he knocked the ball into the open net in the end. Um, but Tillman, mate, it's Melanish. Read the room. You're Melon of the Week. <laughs> there were some there were some strong contenders this week for Melon of the Week, but I think you're probably right uh, to send it to Ibrox. Malik Tillman not understanding the code of the game. Very amusing. Um, <laughs> thankfully, justice was served. Anyway, Rangers won in the end anyway, so it, it didn't really yeah, matter. 3-2, good game. Uh, at the end of the day. Great game. Great game in the Scottish Cup. Um, right. Shout out of the week, Dean. Yeah, it is time for shout out of the week. Keep your reviews coming in, people. This week's shout out of the week is Nick Corbo. What a lovely few words this lad has sent in. Um, anyone that reads this is just going to think this sounds like the best podcast in the world. So he gave us the five stars, obviously. He said, I rank squad. After hearing Dean's desperate pleas for more reviews, I decided it was time <laughs> to do my due, due diligence and submit a review of the wonderful Ranks FC podcast. First and foremost, while it's fresh in my mind, I'd like to thank you lads for hosting a youtube live stream for a transfer deadline day i really enjoyed the interactive component and you all even answered some of my questions i would love more of these interactive youtube sessions if possible uh that will be granted in the very near future nick so you will see be seeing more of us very soon uh he said also i was blown away by your bill bow documentary I could tell there's a plethora of diligent labor, God, blimey, the words this guy's using, conscientious interaction involved in its creation. The overarching familial narrative was well portrayed. I don't know how I'm even reading this. It's so well written. Is this oh, Jack's boy. Yeah, this I know. Would I have loved to see Jack bamboozled and disoriented while lost in the streets of Bilbao? Nothing digs into burner. man's <laughs> ego. Quite like the feeling of a way finding helplessness. I also greatly appreciate how active all three of you are on Twitter. <laughs> this can't be about me. Um, it really supplies loving listeners like myself with supplementary rank su- sustenance to keep us satiated until the next podcast. Blimey. All the best. Keep up the outstanding content, Nico. Nice one, Nick. That gets a um, of that, doesn't it? That was a hard was read, but it was a lovely review. Thanks, mate. No, beautifully written, absolutely stunning. Um, was I it you? I can't answer more than that. It wasn't me. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't slag myself off by getting lost, would I? Uh, this is <laughs> one, of my, one of my points well, it might of be interest. Up. It might be a cover up. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you never know. You never know. Um, I also want to give a shout out to the man who came up to me at Ealing Broadway Station yesterday and was like, love the pod, mate. Keep podding. And I was wearing my ranks hoodie. So that was a that was a nice touch. I enjoyed that. It's always a nice treat, isn't it? Well, indeed it was. It really was. Right. After no gibberish last week with Sam's absence, we're back in business. Mm, Okay, this week... I am going to rank the three things that have defined this past week in this household. Uh, And I'll let everyone know the context. Uh, My wife, Rachel, had surgery last week. Nothing hugely concerning, but she was under general anesthetic, which does take a little bit of time to shake off. And she's had some stitches uh, in her abdominal area. So she hasn't really been able to move very much. In fact, she couldn't move at all for three days and then couldn't move much for another three. That's why I wasn't on the pod last week. For those wondering, I was kind of in like full-time carer mode, but she's much better now, which is great. And I asked her yesterday, I said, how would you define, what, what things would define the last week for you? Because it has been a bit of a bizarre week in recovery. And she came up with the following three things. Um, and number three is forgetfulness. And you would think, you would hope that this is a reference to her, the one who had surgery. But it's not. It's actually, unfortunately, it's a reference to me because I am very, very forgetful, unfortunately. And all week I had to bring her stuff. She couldn't get herself anything, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, any drinks, anything at all, really. 
And she would all, I would always say, want anything from the kitchen? And she'd always give me a list of, you know, two, three, four things or whatever, just basic items. And I would always return, almost without fail, having forgotten at least one of them. I would never, ever, ever come back with the full list. And we're talking like, a, you know, a cup of tea, a bottle of water and a pen. And I'd forget one of the three. <laughs> or a tea, a biscuit and some Vaseline. And I'd forget one of the three. I just my, my record for achieving sort of 66 or 75% of the list is astounding. And I've come to the conclusion that my short-term memory <laughs> appears to be absolute garbage. <laughs> Who did you yeah. put at number one in the ranking? <laughs> yeah. uh, I think it was Odegaard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. See, I am really, really bad. Uh, it's not short-term memory. It's either selective memory or present-mindedness. Now, I think mine is present-mindedness because I don't think I'm... I don't think I have that, especially if she's talking. And um, that sounds probably worse <laughs> than it. <laughs> you know, sometimes you're like, I am listening to this, but you're either like on your phone at the time or you're thinking about something else. And you're yeah, like, I'm trying yeah, to work out who fire yeah. order are going to start in attack in the next game. Yeah. Like. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, present mindedness. That's it. I don't mm. actually listen to what you're saying and take in the information like I would do if Sam was giving a spotlight. I don't, I'm not listening to the details here, and this is probably more important than me listening to something about football. Eh, no, maybe I so, don't. But I don't agree with that. Still. But um, okay, good to know I'm not alone. Um, although yeah. Rach was looking it up, and apparently there is a thing where, like, if you unless you genuinely commit something to your memory, like on purpose, then you are liable to forget it because it's unimportant. You know. Your brain has mm. so much capacity. That's right. Unless you sit there and go, right, right, cup of tea, pen, Vaseline, cup of tea, pen, Vaseline. Unless you like do that a couple of times, you are you may just forget one, and it's okay. It's okay. That's how I've decided to. Um, That's how you got three things. All right, it's three things. Okay, yeah, it's two. <laughs> then it's really it's really bad. <laughs> Number two, jelly. Rach made herself a gigantic bowl of jelly pre-surgery so that she could enjoy it while she was recovering. I don't know how many of you out there are making jelly frequently. Uh, not not me, but she used six packets of gelatin and layered them on top of each other in a gigantic metal bowl that took up about half of the fridge. We're talking liters and liters of jelly. She could be back in hospital before you know it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That <laughs> doesn't not sound good. good for you, man. No. Like, Abdominal injury. I, now let's add another. Let's have a layer yeah. to this misery. You're full of gelatin. Now we have to. Yeah. We have to operate again. Jelly yeah, belly agreed. takes on a whole new meaning here. <laughs> it was. Um, it was a problem for two reasons. First of all, because it took up so much space in the fridge, everything else was all crowded together and a bit of a mess. And I don't know how specific you guys are, but. In my fridge, certain things go in certain areas because otherwise yeah. I forget they exist. And I had all sorts of chaos going up on the top shelves, you know, mayonnaise next to the broccoli, next to the steak pie. And it, it was, it just felt uncomfortable because I had to make room for this jelly. And the second problem is that she only had two spoonfuls of it. And then I had to throw the rest away because she got bored of it. Oh my goodness. Six packets of gelatin into a gigantic bowl, six layers of it. She had two large spoonfuls and I had to melt the rest away in hot water in the sink. It took me about five minutes to get rid of it all. It was that much. That of it. is dreadful. That's also waste. Like dreadful waste. Dreadful yep. waste. And also like, what? <laughs> like yeah. in so many ways. Our old designer, old friend of this pod, Mateus Marcello at Bleacher mm. Report, um, used to just almost exclusively eat jelly. I went to his house once yeah. and there was two, like Did literally it? two things in the fridge full of little bowls of jelly, like just bowls and bowls and bowls of it it was really quite weird he just ate jelly well, he's like it, it was very strange fittest man alive Ooh. like I've, I've yeah, yeah basically he only he's ate protein it. and jelly he ate no he ate no carbs i was like <laughs> i don't think this is good for you my guy but um but it, it seemed to be working because he was chicken he was, and jelly yeah. was his that was it he was absolutely stacked so fair play to him um, <laughs> yeah. a, a healthy man in, in appearance at the very least it was working exactly, appearance, exactly. Maybe but, when you go, but when you when you go around there and you put you go to the fridge to put a couple of beers in you open it and it's just packed with jelly it is it is a real conversation starter let's put it that way, way. right yeah. what's number one sam number one is hogwarts legacy hmm. it's been a blessing guys an absolute blessing not only is it an amazing game but if you are recovering from surgery and you are not really able to move too much, it's just a gift from the gods when a brand new excellent game drops and you can you can just sort of hunker down on the sofa and play it. Like very good timing, very lucky. And um, it arrived on Thursday and 
starting Friday, morphing into Saturday, Sunday, and then pretty much all of Monday as well. It's basically just been that on the TV. I've played a bit, but Rach has played an awful lot. And every bit of football I watched from Friday through to Monday, I was relegated to a laptop and AirPods in the chair in the corner (laughs) because the TV is for Hogwarts Legacy. It, I mean, I think this is fair and given that Rachel has, yeah. has not been well. So I think in all, yeah, you don't begrudge it. It's, it's one of those as she, as she recovers. Uh, and with that, I think we should just wish her all the best in that recovery. Yeah. And I hope that you, it, it's all good. The fact you're back on the pod suggests that things are going well. So, uh, so that's good news at the very, yeah. very least. Uh, and with that, boys, I think it's probably time for us to call it a day. What's left for me to do is say thank you very much to our rank god, Mr. Sam Tai. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much to our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. I've been Jack Collins, Name of Hearts. This has been Ranks FC, ranking all of the Premier League captains for the first time in two and a half years. We hope that you've enjoyed it. We hope you enjoy all the football this week as we get back into the swing of European things. We're going to have an extra pod dropping this week on the main feed as we do a Champions League review. That will be out first thing on Thursday morning. So double drop on the Ranks FC feed this week. Thank you as ever for listening and we will see you next time. Take it easy, gang. Peace.